it. If you have your Bible, please turn with me to 1 Peter. 1 Peter uh, chapter 1. We're not beginning a new series in 1 Peter, but that's where I want us to look this morning. 1 Peter chapter 1. If you were here last week, you know that I had one aim, and it was to inspire all of us, in light of 1 Corinthians 12, all of us that call Redeemer Community Church home, to join one of our service teams, to serve using your gifts and your passions on a consistent basis here at Redeemer. If you weren't here last Sunday, I really, really would appreciate you going to RedeemerCommunity.org and watching or listening to last week's sermon and letting us know how you would love to serve. In hindsight, I titled the sermon, All In. A little bit of a double entendre. In the one sense, I'm hoping that in light of 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7, each and every one of us who call Redeemer Community Church home would say, I'm all in. I'm all in. I'm going to use my gifts, my passions, my abilities to help this church accomplish its mission. I'm all in. Whether that's on the greeter team or the coffee team or kids ministry team or worship team or AVL team, student ministry team, I'm all in. The other way we could think about that is all in. That it takes every one of us using our gifts, using our passions. All in. Well, this morning I want to use the same title and just call it part two. All in, part two. And not to inspire all of us to jump onto a service team, that was last week, but hopefully inspire all of us to jump into a discipleship group. And we'll talk about what those are and the different ones, but maybe even particular, if you'll let me, to try and inspire all of you to jump into one of our community groups. In September, Tara and I will celebrate 19 years of marriage, and for 19 straight years, it's been one of the absolute joys of our life, is to be in a group. Whether it was at Denton Bible Church in those early years of our marriage, or just briefly when we moved up to Fellowship Bible Church of Little Rock, to do some training, we were in a community group for those five months. Or up to plant Fellowship Bible Church of Jonesboro and to be there for six years and every one of those years to be in a community group. And then to come here in August of 2008, it'll be 11 years this week since we have been here at Redeemer. And every one of those years, we have been in a community group. And they have been a wonderful blessing to us through many exciting times and many hard times. Whether it was our new marriage or our new ventures or new kiddos, new challenges galore, a source of encouragement, a place to learn, a place to grow, a place to be loved and hopefully to love, a place of friendship and laughter and tears and prayer and care and on and on and on. Do you have that? 
Do you have a community of Christians beyond this large worship gathering? It's not that large, but it's a big room. Do you have a Christian community beyond this large worship gathering where you can connect? Where, if you will, you don't sit in rows, but you sit in a circle. And where you can experience friendship and care and love. Where you can grow together and you can experience life together. It is a major part of our strategy here at Redeemer. We briefly talked about it last week, briefly talk about it again. At the, at the highest level, when you think about how we go about ministry here at Redeemer, worship gatherings, discipleship groups, service teams, and mission circles. We hope that every one of us who call Redeemer Community Church home would make the worship gathering a regular rhythm of their life. Every Sunday morning, to be here, and to hug a neck and to shake a hand and to worship God and to hear from his word together. Worship gatherings. But in addition to that, we would love if every one of God's people who call Redeemer Community Church home would also be in a discipleship group. Beyond the worship gathering, this big old room, into a smaller group where it can be more relational and maybe even just as intentional as what we try to accomplish on Sunday mornings. When we think about discipleship groups here at Redeemer, we think about our Sunday school classes, we think about our women's Bible studies, we think about our men's Bible studies, we think about Regen on Wednesday nights, we think about even Financial Peace University that'll be kicking off we think about community group. Men and women, some of them single, some of them married together. Sunday evenings, that's when all of our groups meet right now. Generally every other week to get together for care, one another, discipleship and mutual growth and encouragement. Encourage one another. The author of Hebrews told us because it is so hard to walk with Jesus. When you don't have friends, when you don't have connections, when you don't have people praying for you and encouraging you, when you don't have that opportunity to say, this week been really struggling, pray for me. Could be hard. In 1 Peter chapter 1, I always love this verse because I always have to remind myself who it is who said it. Peter. Now, we don't know, but I get the impression Peter was a hard as a rock, tough as nails, manly man. Fisherman, 
He just had to be tough. He had to be hard. He's the one who's always speaking up, right, as Howard Hendricks says. And Peter, who had nothing to say, said. He's the one who said, Jesus, boy, everybody may turn away, but not me. Of course, he was the one who denied Jesus three times over. But this is the one that Jesus came to after his resurrection, and Peter had gone back fishing, back to his old way of life, probably thought Jesus was done with him. And Jesus said, come on. Do you love me? Yeah. Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Yes. Tend my lambs. Do you love me? Oh, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Feed my sheep. After those post-resurrection experiences with Jesus, this man would become just a massive influence in the early days of the Christian church. He was something. And he says to God's people in chapter 1, verse 22, since you have an obedience to the truth, Purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren. Fervently love one another from the heart. For you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is, through the living and enduring word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls off, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word which was preached to you. The command is clear here. It's at the end of verse 22. Fervently love one another from the heart. He first of all gives us a a bit of the reason. In verse 22, since you have an obedience to the truth, purified your souls for a sincere Love of the brethren. Obedience to the truth in this context, the truth is the gospel message of God and his love who sent Jesus Christ to live and die and rise for sinners like you and me and that through faith in Jesus Christ you can be forgiven, made right with God, adopted into the family of God, connected to the church, the promises of eternal life. That's the truth And they had obeyed it. They had heard it. And they had obeyed it. They had put their trust in Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ alone. And a result of it was that they purified their souls. Every soul needs purifying. And friends, this is the only place to find it. Obedience to the truth of the gospel. Because of what God has done through Jesus Christ, when we trust in him, he purifies our souls. Can I hear an amen? What can wash away my sin? 
Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. If you know another fount whereby you and I can have our souls cleansed, let me know. But as I see it, this is the only one. Since you have, friends, and those of us who put our faith in Jesus, we have. Since you have in obedience to the truth, purified your souls for sincere love of the brethren. It's an interesting little phrase. I'm not sure exactly what to make of it. That we purified through obedience to the truth, we purified our souls for a sincere love of the brethren. Whatever it might mean, he then says, get on with it fervently love one another from the heart. Brothers and sisters, fervently love one another from the heart. That Greek word fervently, it comes from a verb that means to stretch out the hand. It means to extend yourself in showing love. And it's meant to come from the heart. He's restating what he had just said, a sincere love. It's from the heart. It's not just an outward show. It's not just profession. But it's the real deal stuff of demonstration of love in acts toward others for their good. fervently love one another from the heart. The basis, verse 23, for you have been born again. You and I have been born again. In the context of 1 Peter, one of the things he has in mind is that God is our Father and we have been born into a family. You and I have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is, through the living and enduring word of God. You and I were born again by that gospel message, that truth, the obedience to the truth. It's a seed that God puts out there and it brings forth life. You've been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is, through the living and enduring word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls off, but the word of the Lord endures forever. I think Peter's point is that you and I, through faith in Jesus Christ, by, in obedience to this gospel message, we have become family. We've been born into this family, born again into this family, by a word that endures forever, thus we will be family forever. Fervently love one another from the heart. For you and I have been born into something awesome that lasts 
forever and forever. We often, in contexts like these, where a preacher is calling upon God's people to love one another, will do exactly what I'm about to do, talk to you about the one another's in the New Testament. If you're new to the New Testament and not very familiar with it, one of the things that pops up over and 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 over again throughout the New Testament are these one another's, like love one another, pray for one another, comfort one another. There's bunches of them. I'll share a few with a, a few of them with you in a minute. But before I do, keep your finger in First Peter. Well, you don't even have to do that. Go to your left, back into the Old Testament, to Haggai. If, if you come to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those are the first four books of the New Testament. Three books prior in the Old Testament is Haggai. Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. Now, the men and I on Friday mornings, our Friday morning Bible study, we've just started a study through the book of Haggai. I want to show you one of the things that we pondered this last Friday morning and tell you why I do. Brothers and sisters, when I say, First Peter 1, fervently love one another from the heart, but then when I say, and oh yeah, there are these one another things, some of you, you've been walking with Jesus a long time. You've been in church for a long time. You go, oh yeah, the one another. I hear you. Heard them things a thousand times. Tell me something new, Mitch. Nope. I got nothing new. But here's what I want. I want to show you what we saw Friday morning. The book of Haggai is written to the, to the returned remnant of, of the kingdom of Judah. The Babylonians had sacked them decades earlier and taken them into exile back in, or away into Babylon. And God fulfilled his word to them, raised up King Cyrus of Persia to allow them to come back to their land. And some 50,000 of them did, left Babylon or Persia and came back to Jerusalem. And in particular, they came back to rebuild the temple that had been destroyed by the Babylonians. They got back to Jerusalem, and it didn't take long. They built an altar and started to worship God, and they began work on the temple. They laid the foundation so much so that they were thrilled, and they celebrated and praised God for it. But then opposition hit, and they put it off for 16 long years. Because of the outside opposition, they stopped, and once they stopped, I think the drift was on. And they started to give themselves to other things rather than to the priorities which God had for their lives. And God raised up a prophet named Haggai to come along and spur them on to get back to work on the temple. And so, just briefly, I'll show you in verse 2. Thus the Lord of hosts says, this people says... The time has not come, even the time for the house of the Lord to be rebuilt. 
Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies desolate? So they said, after 16 years, you know, it's just not time to build God's house. Uh, we'll get around to it. And God says, it, it looks like you got plenty of time for your paneled houses while my house lies desolate. Ugh. But after God's rebuke, he calls them in verse 7 to obedience. Verse 7, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountains, bring wood, rebuild the temple that I may be pleased with it and be glorified. So God in his mercy doesn't just squash them. He calls them to obedience. In verses 9 and following, he says, listen, it's not going well for you in your disobedience. And then in verse 12, then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, he's the leader, and Joshua, that's his buddy, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God. And the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him. And the people showed reverence for the Lord. Here's what we saw Friday morning. This was Haggai the prophet. Haggai was a dude just like you and me. And Haggai comes and he prophesies and says, thus says the Lord. And they listened to that man. And they obeyed the voice of the Lord. They showed reverence for the Lord. The point we made was, this was a prophet of God. And though he was a man, God was speaking through him such that to hear Haggai was to hear the word of God. And they listened to Haggai and they showed reverence to the Lord and they obeyed the voice of the Lord. I'm not coming as Haggai today, but my point is the word of God, whether it's Peter or Paul or James or John, whichever author it may be that I'm about to read to you, it's the word of the Lord for us. Be at peace with one another. Don't grumble among one another. Be of the same mind with one another. Accept one another. Don't bite, devour, and consume one another. Don't boastfully challenge or envy one another. Patiently tolerate one another. Be kind, tenderhearted, and forgiving to one another. Bear with and forgive one another. Seek good for one another. Don't complain against one another. Confess your sins to one another. Love one another. Through love, serve one another. Be devoted to one another in love. Give preference to one another in honor. Regard one another as more important than yourselves. Serve one another. Be subject to one another. Clothe yourselves in humility towards one another. Bear one another's burdens. Speak truth to one another. 
comfort one another, encourage and build up one another, stimulate one another to love and good deeds, pray for one another, be hospitable to one another. Friends, those, that's the word of God to us. Here's another in 1 Thessalonians 4. Now as to the love of the brethren, you have no need for anyone to write you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another, for indeed you do practice it toward all the brethren who are all in all Macedonia. But we urge you, brethren, to excel still more. The author of Hebrews, let the love of the brethren continue. Now, briefly, can all these kinds of things happen outside of a discipleship group? outside of a community group, outside of a women's Bible study or a men's Bible study? The answer to that has to be yes. We can love one another and serve one another on Sunday mornings or maybe when we get together for a cup of coffee or lunch together. We hear of a need and we go and we meet it. But... Are these kinds of things exponentially increased when you and I step beyond a worship gathering into a smaller group? And just on the authority of my experience, which you can take with a grain of salt, I think the answer to that is without question, yes. It has certainly been true for Tara and me over these years that the care and the love and the prayer and the encouragement has come from all different sources. But the bulk of it has been in those groups over the years. Those consistent time after time after time groups. We get beyond this kind of gathering into that kind of gathering. Now, I don't want to overpromise. It's easy to do. Sometimes you get into a community group and it just doesn't work out. Sometimes maybe you show up to a Bible study and it just, for whatever reason, doesn't work out. But let me say, friends, don't quit trying. Don't quit trying. You and I are called to love one another fervently from the heart. We're called to pray for one another and care for one another and bear one another's burdens and encourage one another and spur one another on to love and good deeds. A really, really good place to do that is in one of these groups. So it's time for me to finish, but in your chair you found community group interest form. As I said, there are other opportunities for you to go beyond the worship gathering into a smaller group, but this is one I want to encourage you to consider this morning. If you're interested in getting in one of our community groups, please let us know. These groups right now, all of them meet on Sunday evenings. They generally meet every other week. Each of the groups kind of figures out childcare themselves. Some of the groups 
Uh, they don't have any young kids to worry about. Others of them bring their kids to community group. And it's a little bit crazy, but there's some real joy in that for those families. Others will set it up to do childcare over at a different home. Everybody takes their kids to that home. They get some babysitters there, and then they go have community group at a different home. And then they all go and pick up their kids. Others of them get a rhythm to where the, the guys will stay home with their kids and the ladies will get together. The next week, the ladies will stay home with the kids. The guys will get together. Then they'll all get together for a big group, that kind of thing. They get a little bit creative with it. And so there's no set way that we do community group child care here at Redeemer. We let the groups kind of figure it out. But if any of those four options kind of make sense to you, or you think, boy, if there's an opportunity for me to get in a group like that, that would be great. So fill that out. You can also fill it out at redeemercommunity.life if you'd rather just do it right there on your phone. But you could certainly fill it out here. And in just a moment, we're going to pass these baskets. You can place it in there. And that, that would be wonderful. There's a little book called What is a Healthy Church? It's a good little book by Mark Dever. At the back, he shares a, um, a typical covenant of a healthy church. Close with this. Having as we trust been brought by divine grace to repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and to give up ourselves to him. And having been baptized upon our profession of faith in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, we do now, relying on his gracious aid, solemnly and joyfully renew our covenant with each other. We will work and pray for the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. We will walk together in brotherly love as becomes, as becomes the members of a Christian church. Exercise an affectionate care and watchfulness over each other and faithfully admonish and entreat one another as occasion may require. We will not forsake the assembling of ourselves together nor neglect to pray for ourselves and others. We will endeavor to bring up such as may at any time be under our care in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, and by a pure and loving example to seek the salvation of our family and friends. We will rejoice at each other's happiness and endeavor with tenderness and sympathy to bear each other's burdens and sorrows. We will seek by divine aid to live carefully in the world, denying ungodliness and worldly lust and remembering that as we have been voluntarily buried by baptism and raised again from the symbolic grave, so there is on us a special obligation now to lead a new and holy life. We will work together for the continuance of a faithful evangelical ministry in this church as we sustain its worship, ordinances, discipline, and doctrines. We will contribute cheerfully and regularly to the support of the ministry, the expenses of the church, the relief of the poor, and the spread of the gospel through all nations. We will when we move from this place as soon as possible, unite with some other church where we can carry out the spirit of this covenant and the principles of God's word. 
May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen. The point being, it's an all-in kind of thing. We're going to love each other and serve each other and bear each other's burdens and care for each other and pray for each other. Let's pray. Father, what a privilege to be a part of the church. The Lord Jesus Christ, the head, we are his body. And it is a family. You, our Father, Christ, our elder brother, and we, brothers and sisters, in the Lord. I think of the old joke. To live above with saints we love, all that will be glory. To live below with saints we know. Now that's a different story. Father, sometimes it is hard. It demands much of us. We pray that your Holy Spirit would help us. Empower us to be men and women, young and old, who fervently love one another from the heart. Lord, if there's any of our church family here that's hurting and nobody knows, may it come to light, may we know of it, and may we be a place of great love and care for one another. And we'll pray all of this in the great and the wonderful, powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.